0: don't know this, then you're behind the times. The
1: only metric that matters is convenience.
0: Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo.
2: And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world.
0: On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds...
2: It
1: takes a lot of work to really understand your audience and understand the world that they're operating in.
2: We sat down with Katie Leeson, who is our very own UK Managing Director here at Social Chain. Now, a few years ago, Katie joined us from Mediacom, so she's got quite a hefty background in both traditional and digital media. Yes,
0: given Katie's experience, we wanted to ask her about targeting on social media, where the value lies and how it differs from more traditional forms of media, and also marketers' obsession with generations. We've seen it with millennials and Gen Z, but really, what should we be targeting by?
1: Whether that's in the boardroom or whether that's in transformation meetings or whatever it is. I think you've really got to have within the room people who are living and within the bra- age brackets and demographics that you're trying to talk to.
2: All this and more coming up.
0: Where is the real value in targeting audiences on social media
1: I think that the real value is really understanding an audience rather than blanket approach for um, different like demographics. I think there's a lot of talk about young people, youth marketing, targeting millennials and Gen Zs. But if you go down that route, you're running real risk of missing really important points within, youth pe- within young people's lifespan, really. There's so many different stages within a millennial. I think it's a 10-year gap between yeah. mm, the so youngest 10 to 50. Yeah, yeah, so youngest end of the millennial spectrum and the oldest and the difference between a young one and an older one life stage wise could be completely different mm. so I think there's a real risk if you don't understand your audience and start at that point from a planning perspective then you're going to miss the mark completely with your message
2: so where, where do you think some brands are going wrong when it comes to targeting audiences is it just based on the fact that they're blanketing by age group or is there more to it Um, I think that there's a
1: lot in terms of understanding. Our approach is definitely about understanding content types as well. Mm -hmm. I think you've really got to understand what is, what that audience are engaging with. I think rather than just jumping onto social and trying to target people, it's understanding why people are on social and what they're there for and not trying to sort of, Get involved in like just it, it's funny, isn't it? Because you go on social as your escapism. I think we've talked previously about the fact that traditional media, you kind of choose to get involved in in it and you yeah. understand that the messages are there. But with social, it's your own personal time and you're spending that time. On social taking in the information if an ad looks out of place or doesn't feel like it's part of your experience it's gonna put you off from that brand yeah so I think it's really understanding it's getting to grips with who your audience is what their likes are what they're doing on social and why what sort of content they're engaging with in order to then come up with the right strategy Mm -hmm. to make it feel seamless and part of the experience
2: yeah
0: this all comes down to behavior as well, doesn't it, rather and behavior and mindset, rather than just age. This is obviously, would you say this is a luxury that we've got with social that we haven't had before, I suppose?
1: 100% with social. We're really lucky that we can really see a lot of people's likes and dislikes and who they follow and groups. And especially with paid, you can target really, really niche. Mm-hmm. Um which is great because it means that you can be a lot smarter with your targeting and your messaging. And also, like, the data that you can run, we do a lot of looking at which content for the week before is really engaged with audiences, what types of new content is, like, memes or anything like that that's really engaging people and then driving... big numbers so we can then create similar types of content mm. yeah, to make it relevant.
2: Because your background is in traditional media as well. So yeah. how, how would you say that targeting differs between traditional media and then social now? It's The premise is still the same.
1: It's all about getting people's attention when they're viewing your media. Mm. So the premise of media planning is always to be in the right place at the right time with the right message. And... With, I I used to trade in press advertising. So for me, I always knew that if the message was right, people were buying those magazines as their own time. Mm -hmm. And it was like their me time to kind of disengage from the world. So people kind of expected an ad to be in there as well, because it was part of the experience of buying a glossy magazine. You knew that those adverts were in there and they were relevant to the content that you were reading. Whereas with social, I think that there's been some mistakes made where just random ads have just been put in the middle of what you're doing. And mm. I think that's where people go wrong. Yeah. But the premise is always the same. It's still reaching people where their attention is in the right time. It's just things have gone a lot quicker because yeah. of the speed and change in social.
2: Why, why is it, do you think then, that so... Because obviously social gives us all these tools and you're able to target people in so much depth. Why are brands and marketers still getting that wrong when all the tools are available to them.
1: Because I don't think that all the tools have been available to them. I think it's finding the right partners to work with mm. to get that data out of them. I think you can you can start, you can touch on it when you start doing paid. You can get a bit of an audience understanding and an insight. But to get really under the skin of data and data scraping and understanding how people are talking about you, your brand, the market, you've got to have a specialist
2: there to do that. Yeah, so you were saying yesterday that that data and those insights go beyond social, mm. um, like it's not just like we know Twitter's not representative of the general public or a brand's audience. It's things like forums and Reddit and mm. Google Trends. And-
1: yeah, we make sure that we, because um, we know, you know, you know yourself that when you're on social, you give a certain persona out, you put your certain persona out of yourself. Mm. Um that you want people to see. So sometimes if you're scraping data and opinion on a brand, it could be kind of not like on point. We've looked at things before that, opinion of a certain brand or a certain topic might be completely different to when you look at reviews and forums, Mm. Mm. because Mm. people feel like they should be portraying themselves in a certain way in social. So we take a step back, we look at the social data, but we also look at, say, Reddit forums and um, other Amazon reviews and all sorts of different Mm. things just to get a real understanding of people how how they actually feel, not just on the surface level of how they want to be seen by their friends.
0: Yeah. Something something that's cropped up a lot on this podcast, Katie, and I've been asking a few guests this, people who have worked both sides, there's still that romanticism with uh, traditional media among a lot of marketers and we could, you know, we could name you know, 10 or more between us, um, who still sort of sees social as this just kind of newfangled thing that's going to come and go as quick as it came. You know, what what do you say to those people who, who say, like, for instance, TV, the mass reach is, you know, you can't beat it for...
1: Um, it's still got a place to play, 100%. Traditional media is not going to die. Um It'll always have a place. It's just how people view things is different, and the way people are um, consuming the media is changing. So, I think that there's a place for the traditional media, but it's all about attention. You've got to think about where people's attention are, where people's attention is. So, yes, they might be watching that TV program, but they're more than likely now. Young people are probably more than likely now watching it. In their own time, on mm. demand, rather than it being an appointment to view, which is what it used to be. Mm. Um, I saw some stats from the IPA that said that people are still watching video at the same in the same time in the day. So mm. they plot across the day when media is consumed, and video is still consumed at the same time that TV was but it's just viewed in a completely different platform in a different way. And I think that's the danger with romanticising about... TV being still the big beast that it is, that you really need to understand where people's attention is and how they're consuming, but also what else they're doing when they're watching the TV. Yeah. Are they? Is their attention on what they're watching, or is it when the adverts come on, or is it actually going to be on their phones? Mm-hmm. And is that a better place to capture them while they're watching that appointment to view? Mm-hmm. I think Love Island is a great example of that. The way that they link up the social and the messaging with the program, it hits the right audience at the right yeah. time. People want to watch Love Island and they want to watch it as that night to know what's gone on. Mm-hmm. But you can really capitalise on your social messaging within it because you know that everyone's going to be like tweeting about it mm-hmm. as the show goes on. Yeah.
0: One thing we haven't touched on as well is the the challenge for brands. I mean, we've, we've worked with uh, over the years, a lot of heritage brands as well, who you will know have uh, older audiences who are offline and younger audiences who are definitely online, where do their sort of challenges fall into that with having sort of two different brand personas as opposed to the brand that can just be one thing to however many people?
1: I think it's about being adaptable and understanding, again, going back to your audience and understanding what your brand perception is for. The heritage brands that we work for, that we, the challenge that we're mainly tasked with is how to engage younger audiences on social for those brands. So brands that have got a traditional older, um, consumer base how do they then start to make that brand meaningful to a younger audience and that's where we've come in with social and building a brand and using different technologies and different tools like whatsapp podcasting how do we then build a consumer base for an audience for a brand that's got a different meaning. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you go straight in on social as a brand that's got sort of a heritage or a feeling of being an older brand, it's going to be very irrelevant to people on social and the younger audience you're trying to attract. So it's about building meaning and purpose. Um, We talk a lot in my podcast about being meaningful and having a purpose and and standing for something as a brand. Mm -hmm. And that's what... Um, the youth audiences are definitely after a brands that stand for something. Mm. Mm. So how do you then build that as a marketing strategy to then engage people, make them feel something about the brand and build that brand loyalty to so them, increase sales?
2: Mm. Yeah, we touch on youth marketing. I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, what brands think they're asking for when they come and say, oh, we want to reach Gen Z and millennials or one or the other, or we want to just reach young people. What is your response to that? Because we've talked a little bit about, like, obviously the differences between the two, Mm. um, but obviously not every brand is aware of that.
1: Yeah, I think they. it's become a funny term. Like, the terms have become really used... Oh, I think overused Millennials and Gen Zs. Mm.
2: people use them interchangeably as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's a bit of a fear of like the next generation coming through. Mm. Um, but it's like I said at the beginning, it, there's such a difference between the younger end and the older end of both groups. Mm. And I don't think it's fair to blanket approach. Yes, there are differences between the two. Generations, And we're noticing those now, um, different usage of social media. They're more likely to be on Snapchat and Instagram and they're more likely to um, follow influencers for brand messaging. That's the younger Gen Z bracket. Mm. But if you think about it, I'm at the older end of Gen Z and I'm 35 Millennial. next week. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm at the. See, yeah, I did it there. <laughs> I wish I was. Slip Gen the Z. Um, I'm at the older end of millennial. I'm 35 next week, and I think you suggested you're the younger. Yeah, I'm you? like the youngest possible millennial. Yeah, so I'm 25. And the difference in. Where we are, and if you think about Gen Z as well, I think the youngest is like twelve, and the mm. oldest is twenty-one, and they've started work, so they've now started getting disposable income. If you think about the changes that you've experienced in your own life, and the change in personality, and your tastes, and how things have changed from being twelve to twenty-two, yeah, it's crazy. So I don't, I don't think you can ever blanket approach. Um, but at the same time, where, where, where does that
0: obsession come from? With marketers, because we were speaking about this and I'm sure back in the 90s or or the early 2000s, you didn't have people saying, oh, let's target boomers, Mm -hmm. you know, all several billion of them or whatever, you know, or let's target Gen X, you know, which is like you said, it could be anything from, I don't know, early 40s to 60s now, whatever.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was definitely the targeting that I worked on was a lot it was very tight on specific audiences which is what we do here Mm -hmm. I don't think we work on any brands that we just do I want to target millennials or I want to target Gen Zs Um, yeah because again you've got to understand understand the people and understand who you're talking Mm -hmm. to and why and what you put out on for a 12, well, not a 12-year-old, because we wouldn't do that. But what, we, what we'd put out for a younger end of a bracket and an older end would be very different. Mm.
0: But then again, we see uh, on, on YouTube, I'm sure everyone's seen the Simon Snake video when he said millennials in the workplace. <laughs> and as much as you hate yourself for it, you see some similarities, but at the same mm. time, it seems like a lot of you know New York Times best-selling authors have just gotten rich off writing books about millennials. Yeah. Is, is, is it all a... Uh, a sham in some ways. I don't know. It's the kind of.
1: It's definitely demonized, isn't it? I yeah. think whatever you see, there's so much written about millennials and how they are work shy and how they don't they live off their parents. And mm. I, I, you can see in social chain, like you walk in and you know that that's totally not true. Yeah, it's yeah. just the stereotypes.
2: Yeah. I always think a lot of the stereotypes people associate with millennials um, now just representative of young people in general. Yeah. Like mm. Boomers and Gen X, they were a lot more like uh, politically aware, a lot more like, savvy than their predecessors because mm. that's just that's just what young people are like, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I think the demand though of what people want and when they
1: want it has definitely changed because of the speed of change in technology. Yeah. So because we can get anything at our fingertips, those people that have grown up with that demand things a lot quicker Mm. than previous generations would. But that's just the change in technology and that's only going to get quicker, isn't it? And I think we've got to kind of be aware of that and not be scared of it. And I think that's why there's a lot written about millennials is because people don't really know. I think they're scared and they don't really know what to say. Yeah.
2: You're right. There's a key difference there, isn't it? It's not just like stereotypes on their personality, but it's very much the differences. Very much lie in how they're behaving because mm. of that change in technology.
0: Mm, definitely, definitely, I agree. Um, you said something interesting, Katie, about uh, you, you're you're obviously aware of brands who, uh, who you know, within a social sphere, are probably not as aware of their target audiences. Of you know, uh, I don't want to say don't do everything by the book, but that sort of marketing theory, we were talking about how much more successful these brands would be if they adopted some of that theory. I think. Do you, do you still find that? Do you find? Because it's been quite, you know, we're, we're at a point now where, you know, I don't have to be a media buyer to put out a Facebook ad and target 35 to 44 year olds in the south of England
1: yeah 100% anyone can do it can't they you can start up a business and Facebook have even made it easier this last couple of weeks for Mm. um, new startups to be able to do Mm. better targeting on their ads and that comes with challenges I think you can get to a certain point with that and you can really understand your audiences but once you get to a level where you need to start growing your brand and you need to start really growing your love and your um, awareness there's certain levels of data that you need access to to be able to do that and an understanding of your market and your consumer and then also the competitors within the same space and I think in order to take it to a next level you can't just do it in your bedroom. Yeah, um, yeah it only gets you to a certain it'll point. It'll only then, get you it? to a certain point. And for me, I'm a m- massive advocate for data. Um, and the data team that we have in-house is growing at the speed of not, because we've got, so much data that we can really get to grips with how people are talking about brands and how people are feeling about certain areas and topics and markets. That means that we can be really smart in what we suggest for brands in terms of their marketing campaigns. Mm. It's okay to do a paid ad and target people, but it goes back again to understanding what they want to see and how we should be behaving with content types as well as just putting an ad out there so it's in yeah. front of eyeballs because, as I mentioned at the beginning, social is such a personal experience and you're in your own little world with it. As soon as you put an ad out there that doesn't fit with that social personal experience, you'll turn someone off from that brand completely. Yeah. If it's the right place and it's the right, I think you were saying yesterday, Theo, that you're getting a lot of t-shirt ads. Mm, That's because you mm. really like t-shirts and you enjoy that <laughs> experience of being served those ads because yeah. it's relevant to you. If it was something that was completely off mark because they just put an age in. It's something that you wouldn't you wouldn't even remember seeing. I bet. So mm-hmm.
0: it's true, you feel that sort of negative yeah. kind of attitude towards it because yeah, you're just you like you know. And we we even joke about I get a bit it. Yeah, they resent with ads for this and and that. You yeah. know, and you, you can track yourself. Then you? stuff like the pixel, like. You know, everybody knows the old trick of looking at holidays and mm. sort of looking at them a few times against getting with ads and then the price keeps yeah. going down. Yeah, I'm so always so uh...
2: surprised at how, like, simplified a lot of people's targeting seems to be. Yeah. I remember once, it was like two years ago now, so hopefully it's improved since. But I did a, a tweet about something like complaining, like, oh, the boys won't stop playing FIFA. And then I was being served with FIFA ads for like two weeks. I'm like, really? One tweet and you think I'm your target audience? Gosh, like, just didn't make any sense, but do you think that this sort of wave of irrelevant ads and the amount of brands who've been getting it wrong, do you think that all of that has contributed to a mistrust in marketing and advertising?
1: To a certain extent I think that we are a lot more savvy in what is put out in front of us now in terms of advertising and in order to gain that trust you have to have a relationship with the brand Mm. and if again if you're just being served a random ad about something that's not relevant to you then you are going to be a bit more sceptical about how they why they're putting that in front of you Mm. I remember I hit a certain age and then I started just getting served loads of um, pregnancy test ads (laughs) absolutely nothing to do with any that I'd serve but so obviously they, so, I know but because of my age bracket they must have just thought right this is right and then they just start serving you with ads no. and I was getting followed around the internet oh by God. it which is like added pressure for your age anyway <laughs> yeah. um, but that's just a really poor example of targeting mm-hmm. it's like you just they expect that every woman in that age bracket would be at that point in their life and it's yeah they should really do a bit be a bit smarter because yeah. it just makes you angry.
2: Yeah.
0: Is is there a case in that case then, um, you know, not not in the sort of, you know, tribal way they've done it there, but is there a case for mass marketing anymore? And, you know, I think of, say, like your apples, a brand that everybody knows, for instance, it can reach, you know, as many 16-year-olds as it can 16-year-olds.
1: A hundred percent. I think brand marketing is still super important, which is where the likes of the TV Ads come in mm. because if you think of the Christmas ads, how much do people look forward to what yeah. someone's mm. going to put out as their Christmas TV ad? And it, it for me, I, I don't know whether this is my um, romanticized view of marketing because it, it's just something I've always been interested in. But for me, a really good, spectacular TV ad is like you, when you try and think of the most memorable ads, if you ask people what their most memorable ads are, it's always a TV ad. Mm. And that's because there's something special about it. Mm. And brand building you can reach so many people um with a tv ad and then you can but then you can be smart with it on how you repurpose that for social to make sure that the right people see it a cut down version or you take part of the ad and make it social first mm-hmm. so there's a 100% still need for brand marketing because you need to build that brand love it's all about building the top of the funnel in order to then engage at the drive the purchase path down
0: mm-hmm. I don't even the past ten years that stick out in particular because I always think of mine. And I think it's all pre two thousand, and I, I don't know if that's just a sign of my age or you know, my consumption. It? it is
1: nostalgia, yeah. I think my m- one that always pops in my head is one of my favourites is the gorilla, the Cadbury gorilla.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, classic. To be fair, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But you, but you're little, you're, you must agree that the uh, nowadays the ROI in, in terms of making a big ad like that and what many brands do do is just repurpose it for social on youtube ads pre-roll that you can kind of skip anyway it's is that a case of there's been nothing lost because it's already gone out on tv or is that a lazy tactic it just seems a bit like you said you know i can't remember any good tv ads on social or any you know big ones like that mm. but maybe you're right because we've seen them on tv
1: mm. I think it's a misunderstanding of why people, what people are interested in on social. So I think people think that because it's a big TV ad that people want to watch it on social. And I think Mm -hmm. it's a misunderstanding of why people are on social and what they're there for. And what we always go back to is making people feel something. And if it makes people feel something, whether that's anger or um, laughter or uh, frustration or something you're going to share it and you're going to share it with your friends and if it rings a chord you're going to either dark social it or you're going to share it on your own feed and it's having that feeling to make people want to do something to mm. make something go viral. It's not, it's not enough just to put a TV ad out there because what's why, why would someone do something with it? I think that's the starting point you've got to always think about with social is what do I want people to do with this? piece of content mm. what, what's the end point and how am I going to get people to do it
0: I'm glad you mentioned dark social actually as well because that's uh it's coming up a lot in conversations and it's always a sort of uh, running theme but uh it almost feels like brands are sort of at a disadvantage where because they can't see what goes on on whatsapp and messenger and our closed messaging platforms and what we're really talking about and what we're really thinking it's uh it's an interesting one.
1: It's a really interesting one, but I know me personally. My behaviours is if I see a funny meme or something, I'll probably share it in WhatsApp rather than on my social feeds. Yeah. Um, but now that we're starting to build different things for brands, like WhatsApp groups and mm. podcast platforms, we can really get a grip of those audiences a it bit can better. Be more seamless, yeah, and yeah, we can be part of the experience as a brand, yeah, rather yeah. than it just be like. And like facilitating conversation yeah. through friends.
0: I don't know what you think. It comes g- comes back to that kind of savvy element for me because I've, uh, you know, in a in a funny way, I, I I sort of am mindful about what I like on social sometimes. Yeah. You know, just yeah. just so there's not. Such a profile built up of me. Yeah, I know, yeah But definitely. I don't know if that just that's me as a I sort think, of sceptic um, in a way.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's why I think one of my favourite features ever on social is Twitter's um, bookmarks. Because when they put it out, they like, a like is a like. So that's like you endorsing something and it's mm. public. But a bookmark is just save it for later, which is why a lot of people are liking things anyway. So I think it's yeah, it comes down it's one of the 100%. same reasons people share things on WhatsApp, because you're right, you don't necessarily wanna, like you say, put things out on social um because that's interfering with the persona that you want to put on social. It's not necessarily what you wanna be Definitely. outspoken about. Definitely. Mm. I
0: think there's a common misconception as well. It strikes me that people don't want to interact with brands. And actually I think my you know some of my best interactions when I think about advertising you know it's been with brands it's being hit with those messages it's being sort of empowered to do something and uh there definitely seems to be that uh you know like like you said before people the the theme at the moment is that there's a lot of mistrust and there is I imagine but when it's done in a way we we were speaking on the podcast uh a few weeks ago weren't we to uh Uh, Two people from Warm Street, um, Mm. and they're sort of like a cultural kind of agency who align, uh, you know, music and artists with brands and people. And a conversation that came out of that was the power, when that's done well, Mm. you know, that sort of seamless kind of a brand sponsoring a night out sponsoring experience and so on and so forth. The
2: main thing from that for me, which I really liked, was the fact that we sort of asked them... What they do to help brands align themselves with culture, and they said it's not so much alignment, but it's about participation. So they'd rather the brand comes to them and say, "We want to run an event with you," rather than dictate how you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks quite well to like how a lot of brands um, approach social. They'd rather, you know, put a, a, a an advert in front of their audience rather than think about how it fits into their life first. Yeah, exactly. I think it is the same goes back to what we were
1: saying before you've got to be part of the experience rather yeah. than um like just standing out for the wrong reasons and i think i think if you think about brands interacting on social there's some brilliant ones and if you can get a real personality and if you understand your brand personality and your brand values mm. and you can bring that out through your social you've got a really good opportunity mm. to build um closer relationships with your customers if you think about the brands on twitter who respond to the like people when they tweet Mm. but in a really like you know that that's the brand and it comes from the heart of the values i always think of innocent yeah it's so simple and it's just the case of having someone who really understands the brand inside out understands what it stands for and then like puts that out in the tone of voice that they reply to messages or the tone of voice that goes out on their social. Mm. And then you start to have a real relationship with that brand and it feels Mm. a lot more um, authentic Mm. than it does just to get a standard, we'll get back to you in 24 hours type Mm. thing.
2: With that in mind, do you think there's still a place for organic social? It's tricky, isn't it? It's a trickier market to try and
1: play in. Um, there is, you've just got to get the formula right for getting that content to be the best it can be. Mm. And that, again, goes down to understanding who you're targeting and why you're targeting and making sure you're on the right platform. Yeah, It's getting that content to bang in the best way that it possibly can. Yeah. And in order to do that, you've got to understand the people that you're talking to as a starting point. Yeah.
2: So if we're if we're not focusing so much on age then these days in terms of demographics what what would you advise brands and marketers to prioritize when they're targeting people? I think to start with an
1: understanding of who's talking about you on social and why and what they're saying would be the best point starting point mm-hmm. because if you if you could get a completely different perspective, it could be that you think that people are talking about you in a certain way or people perceive your brand like this but actually when you start delving into the actual conversations that are happening on social and on forums you could get a completely different picture also a different audience it might pop up that some like the audience that are talking about you are a different age bracket to what you've like envisaged
2: because like for a lot of brands this is how it's back to what Julian was saying yesterday. You sort of have in your head the kind of people that you want to target. So you only target them. Whereas in reality, there might be a completely different audience mm, who you didn't mm. know were loving your product or service. And then, yeah, it's just finding those people, which I think a lot of targeting goes wrong sometimes because you're just completely, you've got the blinkers on and you're, you're missing a lot of opportunity there. I always got told, um, from I, the old,
1: COO of Mediacom, Karen Blackett, who's now like chairwoman and doing amazing things. She always, the one of the best quotes she always said to me is you can't argue with data. You can't argue with what the data spits mm-hmm. out and you can't, you can have an idea in your head of what you think it might be, but as if the data tells you something, the data's there to, for a reason and it can really help guide you and make yeah. things better.
0: But do you agree, where, where do you stand on that, uh, that that premise that people say that you know, data can be manipulated to what you want it to say. Yeah. Is, that, is that less of a problem in social data? Is that more when it comes to product? Or <laughs> <laughs> It happens with a
2: lot of things. Like there's a lot of contra- contradictory yeah. stats out there for various things. Cause Cause Sometimes there's like so much out there that you don't know who to believe.
0: Exactly. We'll throw out a TV, for instance. Yep. Uh, there's, uh, we, we spoke to the guys from the BBC um, a few weeks ago. And we were kind of got into this debate that uh, Thinkbox can put out their TV data, but then there will always be a sort of uh, ubiquity uh, survey or something to to prove that wrong. So I'm interested to say what you...
1: Okay. Yeah, it's tricky. There's going to be loads of different sources, and so. they're, they're trying to push their own agenda. Yes. So I think if you're doing your own research, that is probably a better starting point for understanding your yeah. brand, and also getting your sample size right. So I'm always really dubious of these ads for beauty products that say ninety percent of women say this works. When you look yeah. at the actual Out sample of 20, size, we yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and it's tiny. <laughs> and I think that it that can garner a lot of mistrust. Um, It's just not fair, is it, to Mm. do that to someone. So I think making sure you've got your sample size right and you're not misleading people with data is important. Mm. And if you're running it yourself, yes, you can, you're always going to interpret data in a way that makes you get the answer that you probably want. Um, But there might be some things that surprise you out of it as well. Mm.
0: It's interesting we, we, we talk on that because we always talk about FA and uh, all the sort of changes that Facebook have been making, all the changing trends in social and whatnot. But data seems to be the one that's always there, whether it's big data, whether it's this data, it seems to be the sort of nugget that people are trying to crack. And I, f- I feel like we're getting closer.
1: Uh, yeah, See? we're definitely getting closer. <laughs> we, can't, we can't say too much because we it's... Uh, <laughs> oh. uh, a yes. Secret. Yes. I know, I know. But we're definitely getting closer. And yeah, data is something that I think is going to really drive social chain forward um, for the rest of this year and moving forward. I think it's a massive opportunity for us. If you think about what we have at our fingertips with the Media Chain Network and how much data and knowledge that we have from people who are sharing, we've got billions of views and things like that. Every We can learn so much from from that data mm. that then we can then translate into brand strategies so um, watch this space on data and social change <laughs> exciting. Yeah.
2: i want I want to go back to um, brand loyalty for a second because we had an interesting conversation yesterday um, which painted sort of a scenario say so if your target audience is between uh, 18 and 34 you're targeting that group of people when they get older they're not going to be interested in your product anymore and they people below that age bracket are going to move into your target audience but they won't have a connection to your brand because you've just been targeting one group. With that in mind, do you think that brand loyalty exists or is it something that we try and like romanticise slightly? I think it exists. I'm quite
1: loyal to brands if I know that they work. Like I'll, I will probably stick to brands that I know if I've tried and tested them as a as a consumer. Yeah. I don't know if y- you two are the same. Um, so I think that I think brand loyalty is there, but you're right. If you're so focused on your current target market and then they move out of that bracket and you're not thinking about the next generation and what they're mm. thinking and what they're feeling and what they want from a brand, yeah. then you're going to get left behind. I think we I talked in um, one of my LinkedIn videos previously about the beauty industry and how um, the younger generation are um quite rightly wanting brands to be more sustainable Mm. and wanting brands to be more accountable for the waste products that they're producing and really stand for something and try and make a change and the the ones that are winning in that market are the smaller ones who can adapt and change very quickly and then also probably thinking about what the next generation are after whereas the big corporations that have to move like an oil tanker it takes a lot longer for them to put those processes in place in in order to make those changes which can be a real risk I think so I think you've got to have that sort of this is what we try and do in here our model could change tomorrow but social chain wouldn't die I think for us, we always try and keep at the forefront of what's possible. It doesn't have to be on social. It could be wherever anyone's attention is if something yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for any brand to think about is what's, what's next. Mm. If you were going to start a brand today or if you were going to restart your brand today, what would you be and what would you stand for? Yeah. I think the the social chain example is really good. We've had a few knocks along the way that any normal person would probably think that the business would have gone and not been around anymore, mm, mm. so Twitter changed deleting all our pages. yeah um, we had a hack at one point. There was loads of other bits and pieces that happened that would have usually meant that we wouldn't have survived, but mm. we've adapted our business model to the changes in behavior to mean that we can keep brands at the forefront of what's possible. Mm. If you think about our product offering now as well from where it was six months ago, we're now doing podcasts. We're now yeah, doing... It's vastly different. Yeah, WhatsApp marketing. We're now doing all sorts of AI and VR and we we adapt and change. And I think that's really important for brands mm. to keep up. It's like the high street. The high street haven't adapted to changes in consumer behavior. And I think in order to not become extinct, you've really got to think about how people are behaving yeah. and be willing to change.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, we've been seeing it that with a lot of big brands recently, I think, where you have like brands that have been around for like 40, 50 years and all of a sudden they're they're trying to do this U-turn and then all of a sudden stand for something um completely different because they're obviously reaching a point where they think, right, we've got to appeal to a younger generation or oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna last. But it can be so hard then to make that U-turn and come out with messaging that people aren't used to hearing from them, and yeah. like you said, they're obviously having to move so slowly that it's yeah. it's really difficult.
0: As a final note, then, what 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 advice do you give to the, you know the corporates of the, the this world, the big oil tankers that can't just sort of like quickly U turn and move with the attention like like we do, who you know have uh, systems in place and there's a lot of bureaucracy and, and whatnot. How how do you get them to to shift and to kind of wake up and smell the roses, I suppose?
1: I think it's being aware and I think it's also looking at multiple sources of information. So I think there is, it's having a diversification of thought within decision making meetings and rooms whether that's in the boardroom or whether that's in transformation meetings or whatever it is I think you've really got to have within the room people who are living and within the age brackets and demographics that Mm. you're trying to talk to because if you're making decisions it's like I couldn't make a decision for um a 12 to 16 year old audience because it just wouldn't be right because I'm not I'm not it it's Mm, not and I mm. think having that Um, even just tapping it, I think even if you just go out and speak to people, I think it'd be really useful for brands to really understand that. And I think that's been one of the benefits that we've had as social chain has grown, that we've had people who understand the social platforms better than anyone else. And we hire at the ages where those platforms, so like TikTok, we're going to have people in who are on TikTok and understand it better than I ever could, because it's not something that is for me. Mm. So, and I would never try and produce a TikTok strategy over someone who knows how to use it and knows what people are engaging with. Yeah. So I think it's making sure you've got that sort of really diverse knowledge base and not try and guess. I'd yes. say. Mm.
2: Is, there, is, there a, is there a secret then to overcoming the? perception changes that are needed for those kind of brands you know once they've made like the right internal processes and they're starting to shift towards targeting a, a younger audience and like we were saying yesterday sometimes like overnight your current audience or these new audiences aren't going to be used to seeing you on social or hearing certain things from you how would you advise that brands go about changing those perceptions um it's It all goes back to understanding your audience, I think, and understanding
1: what they're after and understanding how they're behaving. Mm. So whether that's using influencers to help drive engagement of audiences through WhatsApp or whether that's producing content around memes that you've seen that are really working that fit with the brand or whether that's jumping on a trend that you've noticed that in a timely manner not obviously mm. like, outside of that because then can go completely wrong but I think it's really it takes a lot of work to really understand your audience mm. and understand the world that they're operating in
2: good answer
0: yes definitely and wrap it up yes good place to end on yes thank you so much Katie yeah, thank thanks you for, for coming, coming on. on
2: thanks for having me
0: uh, oh absolutely. pleasure and to listen yes. to I
2: shouldn't say this but
1: yeah give yes, me a little exactly. plug yeah there. go on you can plug
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes Katie as well has a podcast uh which is very candid, I suppose, isn't it? And very, it's quite
1: honest.
0: Very Defin- honest, definitely, yeah.
1: definitely worth a listen. Yeah. Thanks for the plug. I'll
2: take that. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Super. Cool.
2: Thank you. Brilliant.
0: Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode.
2: If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week.
0: This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young,
1: and produced by Ollie Thompson.